0: people more often than not end up getting hurt because they're not communicating and they're not asking what the other person's looking for and they're letting themselves get strung along in these situationships that are going absolutely nowhere because the person doesn't want them to go anywhere, but they don't know that because they haven't asked or they haven't been told
1: that. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins. This week, I had the absolute pleasure of bringing Alana Dunn onto the podcast to discuss all things related to relationships, dating post-college, and recognizing the role that relationships, whether they be romantic or platonic, really play in our mental health and our overall well-being. Alana is also the host of Seeing Other People, which is a dating podcast that discusses the tropes of modern dating and relationships. She also brings anonymous listeners onto the show to have vulnerable and open conversations about what they've struggled with in their dating lives what they wish they knew when they were going through that experience, and how they came out stronger. In this episode, we really dive deep into what it's like to date post-grad, how to make dating not suck, (laughs) and how to effectively communicate so that you can actually put yourself first in a relationship and do the right thing for you navigating situationships, the whole thing. We've all been there. And Alana just had so much wisdom to share that I loved hearing during our interview. So I am excited for you guys to listen to this one. Let me know what you think. Let me know if her advice resonated with you. And before we get into it, I have a brief message from my sponsor, Anchor. Hi Lana, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am
0: so excited to be here. I feel like my endorphins are like multiplying as as we talk.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad. I mean, This is kind of foreshadowing the very end of the episode where I will ask you what is something that brings you endorphins, so maybe (laughs) give you some time to think about it throughout the course of this conversation, but super excited to have you on the podcast. By the time this episode will be released, it'll be... (laughs) I guess, cuffing season. Is that like February, January, February, March when it's- Well, that's that's actually when cuffing season ends. Oh my God. So this is how out of the loop I am with everything <laughs> <laughs> and given my lack of dating knowledge and expertise, which is why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast to talk all about seeing other people, the work that you're doing with your podcast and dating and relationships post-grad. So- To begin, can you start by telling my listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So
0: uh, first of all, I'll start by saying I never know how to answer this question. That's the first thing you should know about me. Um, But I am Alana. I'm 27 years old. I live in New York City. I grew up um, outside of New York City in Westchester County, and I went to Syracuse for school where I studied television, radio, film, and music business. Thought I was going to work in the music industry my entire life. Did it for a few years out of college kind of got into music because I wanted to help people fall in love with music the same way I did by feeling really connected to their favorite artists and fans. And I very quickly realized that the music industry was not a place for me. It was really toxic. My mental health was like deteriorating by the day. And I just realized that it was going to be a very, very long time before I could really make the positive impact that I wanted there. And um, at the same time, I was in a really bad place in my dating life and I was really, really struggling And I was looking for new jobs and wanted to do something totally outside of the music industry. And I stumbled upon a role at Hinge, which was to be their video and content producer and run all of their social media. And I was like, wow, like maybe I could use my skills to help people in a different way with their dating lives so that they don't feel the way I currently feel right now. And I got the job. I worked there for a little over two years. I started a podcast while I was there for them called Dating Sucks and that transitioned into me going off on my own and launching, seeing other people. And I've been doing that for a year now.
1: I love that you called the podcast Dating Sucks. Like I feel like that's so ironic when you're working for a dating app company, (laughs) which honestly like, yeah, I agree with that. Dating sucks. It's difficult. It's time consuming. It's exhausting. And your relationship, like the status of your relationship and dating life can like really impact your mental health and like how you feel about yourself in a given moment. So I just think that's so funny that you named the podcast Dating Sucks because honestly it does, but then there are those there are those, uh, those golden stories where, you know, people find their significant other on a dating app and it's like one in every like 10, I feel like. Like it's either a hit or miss. Like you either find yeah. like someone that had a successful relationship from meeting on Hinge or Bumble or it's just people are like exhausted and tired of using these apps and it feels like they're going nowhere
0: exactly yeah it it actually is crazy because as the years go on it's like now more people meet on apps than in real life which is so crazy to think about but like it does seem like it's something that's impossible to do because like we're all on the apps and we all are just so burnt out from it even like before we can even meet someone and it's it's like we see all these people on social media like in relationships and we're like shit like why can they all do it but i can't and like i feel like i mean i'm in my late 20s now and i feel like everybody i talked to met on hinge or bumble and it's like i mean i i'm included in that now but for a very long time i wasn't and it it's just so crazy to think of like this is what the world has come to and this is what dating is now and and how did we get here and, and how do we do it like it does suck it really does
1: yeah especially because i think like maybe our parents generation met more organically like in person and now it's like the younger generation is meeting online and it's like I think there's different types of etiquette when you're trying to find someone online versus things happening more naturally maybe in person and it's something that like I'm still trying to figure out like using these dating apps it feels like is a whole challenge in and of itself and there's definitely something to be said about the transition from college to post-grad, like navigating a whole different dating scene. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about kind of any advice you could share on navigating dating apps and kind of stepping into a whole new environment when you're not in the college hookup culture and now you're a working professional living in a new city or an old one for that matter and trying to figure out like, well, how do I actually – Date like what is that supposed to look like?
0: Well, I really like how you phrased that question and the whole situation because the like what what you're doing is separating. Like it is different when you graduate and you go out in the real world and and try dating and using dating apps and you don't suddenly have like frat parties and like the college bars that you go to and your networks like that. Like it is so different and that's a really big challenge because you realize that you don't know. Like you don't know what you're doing, and nobody gives you a handbook. No, like you don't graduate and get given the dating in the real world handbook. So it is really difficult because it's like, okay, you're suddenly here. There's this big world. There's all these people. I mean, where do you begin? And it's like, okay, you go on dating apps. But you're like, well, how do I know who's right for me? And like, do I just like swipe right and try and match with people who I'm like super attracted to? But then like, oh my god, am I actually ready to go on dates with strangers? Like, I remember my first date. I I hadn't even graduated yet. It was the summer between junior and senior year. I was like working in the city. So I was like on dating apps for fun. Like, I don't know what the hell I was doing, but um, I went on a date with somebody who was two years older than me. So he had like been living in the city for a while. And I, when we were there, I literally said to him, I was like, so have you done this before? And he was like, done what? And I'm like, you know, like met up with someone from a dating app. And he was like, yeah, haven't you? And I'm like, this is my first. And like, I literally made us cheers to my first dating app date. And in hindsight, like that is the most horrifying thing I ever could have done on that date. And it's like, it's so embarrassing. And it's like, well, like, but it's also kind of like charming and like cute to think about, um, like how far I've come, but like, it is a whole new thing. And there's so many things to navigate. And so I think the number one thing is to remember that, like, you got to go easy on yourself. You're not going to meet the person that you're going to marry like in your first like attempt at it. You know, it's going to take time. You're going to have to figure out who you are as a dater and what things work for you when it comes to dating and and what types of dates you like going on and what types of people you want to get to know and, and who'd you don't want to get to know and what types of dates don't work for you. I mean, some people like coffee dates. Some people hate coffee dates. Some people want to go for drinks. Other people want to go for dinner. Other people want to go for walks or do activities. And it's like, there's just, so many different options of things to do, of people to go out with, of dating apps to download. And so you really got to approach it, I think, as a learning experience. And I think that's something that you can carry through like your entire dating journey is like, okay, with each date that you go on, you just want to learn something. It doesn't have to be the best date ever. It doesn't have to be the person you're going to spend your whole life with, but you're going to learn like something that does work for you. You're going to learn that, okay, this thing that somebody does is actually a red flag for me and I need to avoid that in the future or I really like this thing that this person did. Okay, that's a green flag. That's something I need to look out for in other people I date. So kind of approaching it as a learning experience and taking it really one step at a time is what I would say when you're first jumping in and forever.
1: That's such great advice. I mean, I think in college or just in the past, I would always approach dating or like meeting people as like, I'd have these high expectations. I'd go into it with an expectation and I tend to like put all my eggs in one basket and really focus on like one person or experience at a time. And I think that was to my detriment because then I would like hyper fixate on things that that person said or things that we did and the way I behaved or the things that, you know, were left unsaid. And it became like this really toxic mentality that I had created and this like negative – feedback thought pattern loop that I had in my head. And I think those thoughts I I was creating was actually manifesting in like a detrimental situation for myself and making dating like this negative experience for me. And I just love how you kind of like, you know, the advice that you're giving is more around like taking these experiences as learning opportunities and not going in with the expectation that you like have to marry this person. Because I think like – A fault of dating apps is like when I'm on them, I'm kind of swiping left to like almost everyone because I'm not initially attracted to the person when I see their photo or I think their answers are dumb or they're corny and it just, it's not my vibe. (laughs) And so I'm swiping left, but then I like, I've spoken to my friends about this. I feel like there's tons of people I may have swiped left on, but then if I'd met them in person, you you never know like maybe that person you really have like an immediate connection with or this chemistry that just doesn't get across online through these dating apps so i love how like the approach that you have around dating and like using these apps is to just learn from it and meet new people because at the end of the day if especially if you're, you're in a new city it's important to like put yourself out there and meet people and and just like build connections. So maybe like dating doesn't have to be so deep. Like I think for the longest exactly. time it was like this intense like high stakes process, but like you can really just have fun with it is what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, there there's three things I want to call out from what you said and I hope I remember what all three of them were. The first one is like yeah, it's almost it's not fair to yourself to go into a date saying like, okay, like this has to be like, this has to be it. This person's the one, like, this is going to be like the love of my life. It's going to be the best first date ever. Like that's not fair to yourself because like, why are you uh, like uh, putting all of that into this one person where like you're putting all of this hope and like all of this future happiness for yourself? Like, it's it's contingent on this date and this person that you don't know, it's also not fair to them. (laughs) Like they're showing up for a date. Like they want to get to know you too. They're nervous too. They're struggling in their dating life too. And so you really want to go into a date of like, from the mindset of like, okay, like I want to have a fun night. And if I like have fun, if I learn something great, if I want to see them again, even better. But like, that's it. Like that's all that's, that's the only thing that should be riding on a first date is like, I want to have a good time tonight or I want to learn something about myself or about dating or about the world. The second thing is, yeah, exactly what you said. Like There are so many people who you probably swipe left on. We all swipe left on who, if we had met them in person, 100% could have hit up. off with them had a great connection i mean even with our filters like we're filtering out people who are like below five seven five eight or five nine like some people even i know girl like i have friends who are girls who are five four and their filters their height filters are at six foot enough only that's it that I'm like that is me okay that's a problem <laughs> that is- because look it's if you met somebody in person you guys were sitting down at a bar at a table at a party like wherever you were at a dog park or whatever it is and you you hit it off and then you guys stood up and he was like Five ten or even five, eight, like you wouldn't care because you already had that connection and you're automatically ruling all of these wonderful people out. And my whole theory about height is that the shorter the guy is, the more they have to bring to the table because the more they have to make up for, because <laughs> they know that because of how girls approach dating these days. So really like the gems are all hidden in like the like the 5'7", five, 5'8", five, guys.
1: Um, That's so – my dad's like literally 5'7", or 5'8", which is so funny. But like, you know, maybe I'll have to test that theory you, out. You should. I, I agree. It's like I, we put like these boxes and these labels on – these preconceived ideas as to like who we think is the most ideal partner for right. us. But in reality, like there's just no way to know unless you try it out.
0: Exactly. And, and going off of that, like I remember I was going through a breakup once and – I, it was this really crazy moment where it was maybe like a month or two after the breakup, I had redownloaded dating apps. I don't think I was actually like dating anybody yet. Like I wasn't going on dates. I was just kind of dipping my toe in the water and I saw my ex and his hinge profile. And I was like, I was on the subway. Like I remember it so vividly. I was like, I would never have swiped right on this guy ever even if he matched with me, sent me like the most amazing opening line. I never ever would have had a conversation with him. I would not have given him the time of day on the app, but we had met in real life and we had that connection. And so it was just so crazy to see like what somebody looks like in their profile. Also, like we have to remember, like, Dating apps kind of expect you to be content creators of yourself, and first of all, not everybody has great pictures, especially guys, um, and not everybody knows how to like create craft a perfectly witty and like friendly and approachable dating app profile. Like that is so hard to do. Even me as a content creator with my dating app, like it was a challenge for me. So I think we really have to give people the benefit of the doubt, and if there's somebody that seems like they could be a a good First date for you, then just go on the date. Like you really never know. And I, I think we've all like swiped left on our the person that we ha- should end up with like, a million times, you know. So just be be a little cognizant of that and and update your filters and and be a little more open.
1: So don't be like me, basically. <laughs> but you know, we're all learning. So <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> life is here <laughs> to do Exactly, it's a continuous learning process. And I think you know, going off of that. Once you start going on dates and you're figuring out your preferences, you know, the things that you like on a date and the things that you don't like doing on a date or like the the type of people that you like to be around, kind of using these dates as more learning opportunities and just figuring out, you know, what works for you, what comes next? So like, let's say you're seeing someone, you've been on a few dates, it feels like it's going well. Like normally, I feel like in college, the timeline, like the arc of like a relationship (laughs) is you're casually hooking up and then like someone wants to make it exclusive and then you're exclusive and then it's either like it ends or it's like, okay, let's just date now. And then you start to date and you're like in the relationship with this person. But I feel like in the quote unquote real world, maybe that timeline like doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, there isn't like one size fits all in the real world. So my question here is like, once you're going on a few dates with someone and it seems like it's going well, like how do things evolve naturally in the real world? Like how are people navigating that um, when it's not like you're going back to someone's dorm or off-campus apartment and you're just like living in that college bubble?
0: So the Good good news and bad news. The good news is it's really not that different. You know, you go on a bunch of dates, like you're hooking up, things get more like physically serious, whatever. You start spending more time together. Like, that stuff all still does happen. Sometimes you'll have the exclusivity talk. I mean, that doesn't go away. That's 100% a thing in the real world. And so that's a good thing where like it's not this whole different set of rules you have to learn to play by. But the bad news is that everybody comes into a date like each person on a date has their own expectations, has their own things that they're looking for, and their own end game. And somebody might just be getting out of a relationship and they might just wanna keep things casual. Another person might be like, okay, you know what? I've, I've been on the apps for like years now. I really wanna be in a relationship. Like I'm only looking to date somebody seriously. Like if I like you, like I'm not seeing anyone else, I expect the same. And so everybody's coming to the literal table um, on their first date with a different set of expectations and things that they are looking for. And so unfortunately you got to figure out what those are and those are really awkward conversations sometimes, but they don't have to be, but people put so much pressure on asking that question of what are you looking for? Where is this going? That they don't do it. And that's the unfortunate part is that, people more often than not end up getting hurt because they're not communicating and they're not asking what the other person's looking for. And they're letting themselves get strung along in these situationships that are going absolutely nowhere because the person doesn't want them to go anywhere, but they don't know that because they haven't asked or they haven't been told that. And so I think in terms of timelines and in terms of actually getting to, like, if, if what you want is to be in a relationship, you need to know that you need to tell yourself, okay, I want to be in a relationship. And so When I start to have feelings for somebody, I am going to have a little check-in with them. And again, it doesn't have to be a big, scary thing. It really doesn't. All you have to do is say, like, I'm loving hanging out with you. I just, like, what are you looking for out of this? Or, like, I know for me, like, this year is, like, the quarantine has been really hard and lonely, and I'm definitely looking for something, like, more serious. What about you? That's it it's like a very normal conversation to have, but people are just so afraid to have it that people don't have it. And that's what gets us into trouble. And that's what gets us hurt. And I mean, I know for me, I've been in multiple situations in the past where I didn't have that conversation. They didn't bring it up. And so I'm assuming that I'm basically this guy's girlfriend where I'm like staying at his apartment more than mine. I'm meeting all of his friends. I literally met a guy's family at one point, like three months into us, like seeing each other. And So I was like, okay, like he obviously thinks like I'm going to, I'm going to be his girlfriend soon. It's just a matter of having that conversation. And then to my surprise, you know, he only wanted something casual.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, like, what do you mean? Like I'm literally (laughs) your girlfriend. What are you talking about? But we didn't have the conversation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I hear this story way too often. And like from my own personal experience, which is kind of embarrassing, there was a conversation and I had been very cognizant of the fact that, you know, it was going to be casual and deep down I definitely wanted something more serious and I just kind of ignored that because I wanted to please the other person and like that's just kind of like a lack of self-respect and like it, it wasn't good and so when you kind of lie to yourself and you suppress like your actual desires and wants because maybe you're ashamed of them or embarrassed by it or you think the only way it can work is if it's on another person's terms, it's only going to hurt you at the end of the day. And it's like, what actions can we take to prevent feeling shitty about ourselves? Like, what can we do that's preventative rather and like proactive rather than like being reactive to a situation when it starts to go downhill in your perspective? And, you know, I hear these stories way too often. And like from my own personal experience, (laughs) like this has definitely happened and it's so shitty. Um, But, you know, I think it also comes from like that lack of self-confidence and self-esteem and, and um being clear about what you want and not feeling embarrassed by it. I think we 100%. tend to feel embarrassed by like wanting something.
0: 100%. I mean, and and I know you kind of started your story with like, this is a little embarrassing, but like, listen, there's nothing embarrassing about that. And, and that's how my story ended where this guy told me that he wanted something casual. And so I was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, challenge accepted. Like, uh-uh, I'm going to, be- you're going to be my boyfriend soon. Like just, just wait and see. And I did that to myself more times than I can count, and I got so hurt, and I kept getting hurt over and over and over because I kept getting into the exact same situation. And I think it took until like the fourth or fifth time where like I really got hurt from say, like hearing somebody say they want something casual, me like being like, "Uh huh, sure, yeah, whatever," and just like breathe, letting it freeze by and like ignoring it. And I got to a point where I was like. I keep doing this to myself. Like nobody's forcing me to stay with them. They're telling me what they're looking for. They know what I'm looking for, but they're hearing me say, okay, to what they're looking for. So they're like, okay, well, she's on the same page now. Like they're not forcing me to stay with them. They're saying like, if it, if it's okay with you, like, I'd love to keep hanging out, but I'm not looking for something serious. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, okay. When like I was like falling for them. And so it, it It really, really sucked the life out of me. Like it was awful because I just kept doing this to myself. and it it took so many times for of it happening for me to realize like, wait a second, like, I can actually protect myself and not get hurt. And from now on, if I hear that somebody wants something casual, I'm going to say, okay, I really enjoyed spending time with you and I wish you all the best, but we're just looking for different things and I can turn around, walk the other way
1: and not get hurt. I love that. And I think, you know, so much of the pain we experience in dating is like so self-inflicted too, just like what you've mm-hmm. been describing. And I think something that was like hard for me was that, well, if I walked away, if I protected myself, then it's, you know, you're, you're, you're lose you're losing something you you feel like you're losing something when was there really anything to begin with like you feel like you're losing something and then if you do walk away what if there are no other opportunities in the future and i think that was another thing like in college at least for me personally it felt like the playing field was very slim and i mean i guess We know that guys mature way slower than girls do, so it's very hard to meet halfway, but it just felt like there was really, like, no options, and it's also difficult when maybe you see a lot of your friends dating in college or being in a relationship, and you're the only single one, and so, you know, I think we can definitely get into this more a bit later, just like, you know, navigating, matching up our timelines with our friends' timelines with dating, but, uh, you know, I think there's something to be said about the you know that that negative affect weighing more strongly than positive affect like the feeling of losing something by leaving when actually you could be gaining so much more by doing something good for yourself
0: yeah and and you're gaining something by doing good something good for yourself but you're also giving yourself the opportunity to then move forward and find somebody who is going to be looking for the same thing as you and who is going to come into your life and and fill up your world with all the things that you're looking for. And so, yes, it sucks because you have to go back to square one and start over in a way and get back on the apps. And you don't have that person to call or to text when something funny happens. But like, guess what? You have all the other people in your life who are there to support you and help you through it. And you just have to remember like, if somebody is not looking for the same things as you, it's never gonna it's it's never going to work. Like you can't convince somebody to want to be in a relationship. You can't convince somebody to want something that they are not looking for that they don't feel like they're in the place for. And if you do that, you're just you're really being unfair to yourself because you should be with somebody who wants to be with you and who wants to create a relationship with you and a partnership with you. And if it's something that has to be forced, it's never going to work for a million reasons.
1: That's such great advice and it doesn't really resonate i feel like until you've had the experience where you can like confidently look back on that and say okay i should have listened like i sh- i should have i should have done something differently and it's so hard to like take good advice right. unless you kind of go through that negative experience like unless you feel that pain because you don't really know that there's yeah. like the other side of it or like you can get out on the other side and i mean with many things in life like a lot of golden pieces of advice don't really resonate until after the fact until you've had that lived experience but hopefully some of these pieces of wisdom that you're you're sharing with me and my community today like will resonate with some people and actually like if you sit down to think about it like I've done an a, an episode in the past on like dating as a form of self-care it it is because you know we talked about going on dates to have them as a learning opportunity and finding out like what you want in a partner that is like most compatible to you and like your desires and your goals, but also like learning when to like walk away, like learning when to say no and, and having that confidence and like self-respect to do so. So there's like, I, I personally used to think of dating as like this separate part of my life, like relationships is like a separate part. Like I had family, career, school, whatever, and then like dating and like romance but it's so intertwined.
0: It's it's one of those things where it's like your dating life impacts every single other part of your life and your life, every single other part of your life also impacts your dating life. And I kind of think of it that way with mental health too. It's like your dating life and your relationships will always impact your mental health and your mental health will always impact your dating life and your relationships.
1: That's a really great way to put it. I mean, when I was kind of seeing that guy that I was talking about, and i knew that i was not treating myself with respect i was just so unhappy that semester at school like i was just it was a very stressful time on top of school things that were stressful and job things that were stressful and just so much going on but when i look back on that time it's like like that was when my mental health was like at an all time low And then, because my mental health was at an all time low, I was self isolating from people that I cared about. And it was just really this like negative cycle that I was, I had fallen pretty deep into. So I, I love that you like make that, you know, comparison around like mental health and relationships. And I think a really great segue to, you know, to talk about that impact of relationships and dating on just every aspect of your life is for us to talk a little bit more about like how our relationships with our significant others or, you know, like when you're dating someone, like how that can affect your relationships with your friends and other people. I, you know, I've heard way too often from close friends on, you know, stories of, their friends getting into a relationship and then all of a sudden they're always with their boyfriend and they're never around to hang out or they're always with their boyfriend's friends and it can be really like frustrating when your close friend or just a friend of yours like all of a sudden is just like completely ditched you for someone else. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about like navigating those challenges and kind of like the reality of, you know, when that happens, what to do about it.
0: Yeah, I know you mentioned a few minutes ago that like in in college sometimes like you're you could be the single one, like your friends are on different timelines and stuff and like I hate to say like that just gets to be more and more as you get older and it gets to be like way more intense too. And it is a really really difficult thing to navigate. I mean, one it's one of my favorite talk, topics to talk about is how your relationships impact your friendships and how your friendships impact your relationships. And there are a few scenarios that you ultimately like are going to encounter. It. It's pretty inevitable. Like what so we'll start with what you first mentioned which is when your friend gets into a relationship and you you start to miss them because you start to not see them anymore. They get so wrapped up in it. Um and it sucks. It really does because it's like, oh, well like now you have this person like you're so into them like you don't even care about our friendship anymore and like what hap- like Then there's another layer of like, well, what if it's an unhealthy relationship and you are worried about them and you feel like this person's bringing them down, but they don't see it because they have the rose-colored glasses on of like this person is the greatest thing in the world and anyone who says anything else is wrong because that's also a situation you will encounter. Um, The best thing that you can do is reach out to your friend. Like, it's okay to say I miss you and it's okay to acknowledge and to address that you haven't seen them in a while, but don't do it in an accusatory way. Don't be like, you're always with, like, Brad or I never see you anymore. Or, like, why don't you ever bring Brad to the apartment? Why do you always go to his apartment? Why did I choose Brad? <laughs> <laughs> Brad chatting yeah. all, the, all the basic things. We'll do that later. Um, Yeah, and... And the the reason I say, like, don't approach it in an accusatory way is because if you say, like, oh, you're always with Brad and you're never with, like, you never hang out with us anymore, they're going to feel threatened. They're going to feel like you're trying to take away time from you and Brad or, like, you are trying to sabotage their relationship, their happiness, because they're happier now with Brad than they ever were before. And so the way to go about it is to just reach out to your friend and say, like, I miss you like can we plan a girl's day? Like can we plan a date day for like us to go do something fun or like I know or like let's say they still hang out with you but Brad's always there be like I want to plan a day for just us to like have an us day. And that's something that like my friend now, she's engaged now and like she lives with her fiance, so a lot of the time when we hang out it is like me going to their apartment and it's the two of them. So like we, she and I actively will plan, like we call them us days and it'll be like an entire day where like either like her fiance will be out playing golf. So like, we'll hang at the apartment, just us, or we'll go like make a whole day plan of something we would do a few years ago, like whatever it is just to make sure that our friendship is still our friendship. Even though I, it's, I'm so happy for her. It's amazing that she is living with her fiance and they're getting married. And and I have a boyfriend now and we the four of us hang out and stuff, but we, really do try and make sure that there's still like time for our friendship. Um, So that's, that's one thing. Just say like, I miss you. Like I want to plan a day for us. Like, when are you free? You know, it doesn't have to be this whole built up thing. And I also would recommend don't like wait for all of your feelings to get built up. Like there are times where it's going to make you really angry and really frustrated and you're going to start to judge your friend and your friend's not going to know. And it's not fair for you to have all this like pent up frustration at your friend when first of all, they don't know. And second of all, you're not doing anything about it. And so I would say like, as soon as you start to miss your friend, or as soon as you start to feel like your friend is kind of being distant or really only spending time with that person, that's when you should say like, let's do something and and see how that goes. And then you can have like real conversations about what's going on. And and you can then say like, I miss you. Like, I want to make sure like we still make time for us. So that's the first situation. And the, the place where you really get into like a a danger zone is when you don't think that the person is good for them. And it's like we were saying, like dating is really hard and, and it's new and you're meeting a lot of different people from a lot of different places and who have a lot of different goals and values and, you will encounter people who are probably not the right person for your friend and who are not good for them. And I know I've been in that situation and I've also seen my friends go through it. And it's really hard because if, if anyone tells you that the person you're dating, like they don't, they don't support it or they don't think they're good for you or they don't think they're treating you right. Like it's immediate, like defense mode, like putting walls up, like go away. Okay. I'm not talking to this friend anymore because they're trying to ruin my happiness. And like, I've had friends say to me, like, Like, Alana, we're worried about you. Like, we don't like the way he treats you. And we don't like, like, we can see that you're struggling. And I've been like, and I would push them away and be like, well, you don't see what it's like when it's just me and him. And that, even then when I was in a place where I was struggling, I felt like, well, I can't now admit that I was wrong. I don't want to go to my friends, even though they were still there waiting. Like, they were there for me endlessly. But I felt like I isolated myself. And I felt like I couldn't then go to them, even though they still, like, wanted me to. And I've seen that happen too. I mean, hopefully she doesn't listen to this, but like, there's a friend, a very good friend of mine who, um, recently a lot of people, including myself approached her and said, we really don't like her new boyfriend and don't think that they're right for each other. And it pretty much like, like her, her entire world has pretty much come crashing down on her because she really loves this guy and everybody else in her life does not see it. And It's impacting her friendships. It's impacting her all of her relationships. And it's something that's really tough because you want your friends to be happy, but you also want them to be happy with somebody that you think is good for them. And so it really can get in the way of friendships. And and, I mean, I've seen friendships get ruined over it and over who the person ultimately chooses. And so it really is tough. But you just want to, if you're going to say like, I don't think this person is right for you, really figure out why you don't think so figure out what about them, what about your friend with them, and make sure you approach it in a way of like, I love you and I support whatever decision you make and I'm here for you no matter what, but I have to be honest about how I feel about the situation.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think the wording, like how you choose to be intentional about like what you're saying to your friend is so crucial because if there's any form of like judgment that comes across that's the like kind of antagonistic and your friend will sense that and kind of like shut off and and yeah. defend, you know, their decisions which probably might anger them because they're probably thinking well why, you know, why do I have to defend my decisions to my friend, you know, like I'm entitled to
0: mm-hmm.
1: make whatever decisions I want. And so I think you're totally right like coming from a place of compassion and empathy and full support no matter like what the friend decides cuz at the end of the day like you're not going to agree with every single decision that your friend makes um you know i luckily i haven't really had this experience but i have had friends where they're like yeah i'm going to break up with my boyfriend cuz i really just want to be single and then they're kind of like in a relationship <laughs> right after and right. i think like in the past i've Come to that with judgment, which is wrong, because that's only going to push your friend away. And you also, at the end of the day, like you're not walking in your friend's shoes. So you don't you don't really know. Like there's, and oftentimes like we know that one emotion isn't simply just one emotion. Like we act out of like a combination of emotions. So maybe yes, like this person might have wanted to experience being single but maybe someone else came along at like this coincidence and maybe this other person like brought out qualities in that in them that they didn't really get to showcase with their previous boyfriend. And so there's always kind of like more to the story than maybe what you are seeing as a friend. Um but it is also kind of a red flag when there's, you know, someone that you're dating and like no one in your immediate circle, friends, family, whoever like doesn't like. And, um, you know, for it to be that bad, there has to be some sort of like legitimate reason. Like you said, like, you know, come to your friend with, you know, reason, like really think about, well, why, what about this person? What about them with my friend? Do I not like, um, because sometimes people can be really limiting just, you know, in terms of like, you know, what you want to achieve for yourself, but then where it can also get really dangerous is like if they're, you know, emotionally abusive or physically, like if it's actually a relationship that's abusive on all levels or any sort of level, like that's immediately a red flag. And that, you know, I, not to take this in like a really dark turn, but I recently just watched the show Made. Have you seen it on Netflix? Yeah. my, um, yeah. It's amazing for those, you know, my listeners who don't know what Made is about. It's just about like domestic violence. And it, it follows a story of a a young woman who's a mother and, um, kind of trying to leave her, her boyfriend or her partner. Um, and eventually, you know, after a few attempts, she makes it out and, and, you know, creates a very successful life of her own, but it, it shows like generational trauma and, and trauma being passed down from mother to daughter. And now this girl trying to like give her daughter a good life. And, um, you know, in, in cases like that, it's, it's hard to get away, but, um, that's like on the polar, you know, end of the spectrum just kind of came to mind as as I was talking, um, you know, about being in situations that probably aren't the best for you.
0: Yeah. And, and going off of everything we've been talking about, I think the biggest thing that I'll say, and, and this is for any conversation you have to have with any of your friends about any relationship or if they're being MIA, if they're being distant, if you don't think their significant other is right for them or is treating them well, Whatever you do, do not have these conversations over text. Pick up the damn phone. Go see them in person. Do not have these conversations over text because if you do, you are signing yourself up for an absolute disaster. It's just – it's not – nothing is going to be resolved at all.
1: You can't, like, gauge someone's tone across text. You can't actually, like – so much goes left unsaid or is like poorly misinterpreted over text. And I think that goes for like also just having serious conversations with the person you're dating or your significant other, like just having, you know, the courage (laughs) to be in person and like have those hard conversations face to face, although they may be very uncomfortable in the moment are like so, so important. And it's a learning opportunity also, you know, like, Some of the, you know, the hardest conversations that, you know, I've ever had as difficult as they are in person, like they only are doing you well in the future and in the long run. So totally agree. Like you have to, you know, have the decency to just not get in that feud over text and actually make time to like go see that person and talk to them about what's on your mind.
0: Yeah. And beyond just, just about like decency, it's like, it's never going to be resolved if you're doing it over text and it's just going to lead to more frustration. It's going to be dragged out. You're there's going to be assumptions. There's going to be misunderstandings. It's going to, there's going to be screenshots sent to 20 people. Like it's, I don't think I've ever heard of a serious conversation actually like working out over text. It's just never going to happen. And yes, it might be really scary to have these conversations in person. You've probably never had conversations like these with your friends or about like really deep shit or about things that are are scary to talk about and that you're afraid to open up about. And it's, you just got to do it. Like the worst thing that happens is that like your friend doesn't really hear you and you're back to where you were before you had the conversation, but you also learned how to communicate. And also listen to what your friend has to say too. like as every important conversation, as much as it's about communicating what you're thinking, it's equally about listening to the other person.
1: I totally agree. And we're often like so fixated on either saying the right thing or just speaking so we can hear our own voices <laughs> that we're not actively listening. And that's, I think, where a lot of miscommunication comes into play. It's because, like, you're so wrapped up in your own head and, like, what you're going to say or not having that willingness to even meet someone halfway and listen to them, you know, either or. And, like, that's where, like, there's that mismatch and you're you're kind of, like, missing out on such a important opportunity to, like, clearly communicate with a person and, like, come to some sort of agreement or... Um, you know, if you really care about your friend and you really want what's best for them, you, you have to, you have to listen so that you can like move forward with that conversation kind of, you know, along these lines around like difficult conversations and dating struggles and hardships. I know that on your podcast, you have people come on to talk about like issues they're experiencing in their dating life or just like challenges that they've recently um, had to face. What are some like themes that you've seen across the guests that you've brought on to your podcast?
0: So the biggest theme, and and I think every single podcast episode that I've ever done comes back to this one idea topic is communication. I think every single relationship problem that, or dating problem, dating app problem, like every single everything, fight, breakup, like it all stems from lack of communication or a miscommunication and it goes back to what we were saying before like we're not taught how to date we're not taught how to communicate like we're really not like we go to school for all these years we go to college like we're learning about all these like topics but we're not really learning how to communicate and how to communicate effectively and how to be empathetic and how to listen and how to understand and how to realize that you're going to be with people who grew up a different way and whose values are based on the way they were raised and they might not understand yours and you might not understand them. And the best thing you could ever do is learn to communicate well and learn to ask questions and really understand where someone is coming from and learn how to properly express where you're coming from and why you are the way you are and why you think the way you think. And so really like every single dating issue comes from a lack of communication and from not knowing if somebody's looking for something serious or something casual, not knowing where your situation ship is going or like hearing that somebody said they don't want anything serious, but being like, okay, that's fine. Like, sure. Same. But like, you know, in your head that that's not true. And like, you're just choosing to not listen to them. And so it really, it's hard communicating and communicating effectively is hard. And it's also, it's not a one person job. It it takes two to have a real conversation and to communicate well and So it's hard when like sometimes you might be communicating well and you might be opening up and being vulnerable and the other person isn't giving that back to you. And that's another situation that you'll probably encounter in your dating life. And you have to realize like, okay, you know what? Like maybe I'm working really hard on trying to communicate openly and honestly and and the best way I can, but that's not something that they've actively thought about. How can I help them communicate? And sometimes even in helping somebody communicate, the best way to do that is to ask questions. I know somebody came to me this week and asked me, like, what do I do if the person I'm dating, like, really isn't being vulnerable and, like, isn't opening up? And I'm really trying to, and I, like, want to get to that next level, but, like, there's, like, a wall up. And it's like, well, let's figure out why there's a wall up. Like, maybe they just got, like, really hurt. Maybe they're afraid to get hurt again. And maybe that's why they're being guarded and trying to protect their heart. And so maybe you can say, like, I am loving getting to know you. Like I want to keep getting to know you more. Is there anything I can do to make you feel more comfortable in like opening up to me? Because who knows? Like maybe they'll say, no, like don't, what are you what are you talking about? Like I feel totally comfortable or maybe they will open up a little bit and peel back that layer and say, no, like you're doing all the right things. I, it's just going to take me a little more time because of things that have happened to me in the past, like X, Y, Z. And that will provide them the opportunity and that safe space to be open and to be vulnerable. And so it's, it's about asking questions. It's about trying to understand where the other person is coming from, why they're doing the things that they're doing and why they are who they are. And and hopefully they're doing the same work to understand that in you.
1: Thanks for like, you know, backing that in like some concrete examples. Cause I feel like, com- like communication is thrown around a lot in like dating advice, like communicate, communicate, communicate. And what, what does that mean? Just like like talking a lot to your partner like getting to know them more like texting them a lot calling them face like communication like the definition of that can take on so many forms but I really love that like you're very explicit around like communication in the sense that like you actively have to put in the effort to always like have a check-in and make sure you're you know in alignment with like your goals your desires your values and I think like your value system is super important because if your values aren't aligned, then like ultimately, how are you going to make something work if you have completely separate value systems? And like maybe you know, you just you just can't. Um, and I mean, maybe there are exceptions where some values, like you know, at the beneath the surface, maybe you like label them differently, but at the end of the day, like the foundation of that value is the same, and like that's where I think it can work. But um, you know, if if you're really not in agreement with those fundamentals, like those basic principles, then maybe that person's not for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's a huge thing. It's like people don't have conversations about like, where do you want to live? Like, where do you want to settle down later in life? How many kids do you want to have? What religion do you want to raise your kids? And like, these are such like these are questions that honestly should be asked on a first date because I see people getting into like relationships. And after a year, they find out that they want completely different things. One person wants five kids. One person doesn't want kids. And it's like, then they break up. I've literally even seen people get engaged and then find out that like one person like, like insists they have to move home to where they were raised. And the other person wants to stay exactly where they are. And guess what? Nobody wants to compromise on those things. And so you really have to like, I mean, communication takes on so many different things. And, and, but like everything does come back to it. And I mean, I'll give another example because I think it's a really good one and something that like, especially if you're graduating college and you're moving to a different place than your significant other, you might be living at home for a little while they get a job and move to a city. Like you could end up in a long distance relationship and that can be a really scary thing and a really, really big like mountain to kind of climb and, and navigate. And what i think in how to actually communicate in to make that situation successful is you have to figure out what you need in order to make it work. Do you need to text all day or do you need to, doesn't matter if you text all day, but have like a 30 minute phone call or FaceTime at night. Do you need to see them every other week or just once a month? Like, what is it that you need to make it work? You have to figure that out and you have to tell them because they can't guess, they, can, they can't assume. Can't read minds. <laughs> it's, it's not fair to assume that they're gonna know what you want or if they're not communicating enough, it's not fair to them if you're not telling them like, actually, I really want to talk more. Otherwise, I'm sitting here feeling terrible and feeling like our relationship is already failing before like we've even really started this. And and the same, it goes both ways. You have to also like ask them like how what works for you in this situation? How can we make this work? Like it's a partnership. You have to work together.
1: Yeah. Like huge takeaway. And I'm so glad you bring that up because that's another thing I've been seeing a lot with my friends, you know, recent college grads in a relationship in college and now people are in different cities and like almost every single long distance relationship I've seen has like now been has now ended (laughs) for I think those reasons it's just too hard and maybe there wasn't that conversation about those you know what each partner needed and maybe what they each needed like they couldn't provide for each other and so naturally you know it's the relationship's gonna end and I feel like long distance relationships could be a whole other episode in and of itself because there's so much we could even talk about there but um You know, unfortunately, more often than not, I've seen it like not really work out, except there is this one content creator that I love and I've been following for years. Do you know Lucy Fink? Have you seen mm-hmm. her stuff? Yeah. Yep. Like, she's now nice married. Now, like, yeah. She's now married, has a kid. I mean, but I've watched her YouTube videos on how she made like long distance for, I don't know, like eight years or something work. I guess I think like her and her now husband were dating in high school and then they went to different colleges, but like maybe he was maybe a year younger or older. I can't remember. But then eventually they ended up in the same city and now they're married and they have a kid. But like on her- YouTube channel and in her videos, she talked about how she made it work. And it's, like, you know, very similar to what you're saying about being very explicit about what you need and, like, um you know, how can your partner support you and, like, are they able to do so? And I think you're really lucky if, like, you both can provide yeah. for each other what you need. And then – you know, all is well. (laughs) But if it doesn't work out, then that's okay too. Because uh, like we talked about earlier, there's, you have to be confident that there will always be another opportunity. And it's very hard to believe that and see that when um, it's not like your current reality, but you have to have that faith and that trust.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's also like you look at content creators and influencers and people on social media who are like in happy relationships. And it it seems so easy because you're not seeing all of the work that goes into it. So, like, people may be looking at Lucy and her husband and their kid, thinking, like, Oh, well, like, of course they have like the perfect life, perfect marriage, like whatever. It was just easy. Like, like she gets everything she wants, whatever. But it's like, no, she had like, they put in so much work, like behind, literally behind every successful couple is so much work that went into it. And so it's not going to ever be easy. Like if you have a perfect relationship that just falls into place, like you're lying. It's it's not <laughs> that way. That's not true. It's not real.
1: Quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> if you have yeah, a perfect I mean, relationship, you're lying. Exactly. I mean, it's it's hard, and most things in life that are successful and that are fulfilling require a lot of work and like effort and energy. And yeah, you know, these things don't come easy. Aside from all of that, it's it's so refreshing to have conversations like these, you know, about the nuances of dating post grad and um, just navigating those uncertainties and challenges and seeing, you know, what's kind of sticks from college and then like things that are like drastically different as not only are you managing like a new dating scene, but also a job or maybe you're back in school or you're in a new city. Like there's just so many transitions happening, which I think can also complicate just like figuring out dating. So I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. You really shared tons of wisdom with my listeners and myself today. My final question that I have for you is, Something that I alluded to within like the first 30 seconds of this episode, but the question is, what is something that brings you a bit of endorphins every day?
0: When I take my dog to the dog park and just see him like running around playing and being happy, it's <laughs> like nothing makes me happier because it's like, first of all, I got off my ass and brought him to the park. Like that's hard, especially that's when wind. it's cold now. That's a win. That's a win. It's a win. It's so
1: cold in New York it's and a- I think it was snowing today. Yep. It was lightly snowing. I just... It's yep. so not only going to go downhill for me, here. Yeah,
0: but like just seeing him happy and like seeing how happy it makes me, it's just kind of like, okay, if you like put in the work, like I'm like raising this, this child, it's like, uh, like, but seriously, it's like, this is something that it's really hard raising a dog and it's really hard doing it alone and it can be exhausting, but it's something that I know means a lot to me. And so just seeing him be so happy, like nothing makes me happier. And it's just like, honestly, if you have a dog park in your city or your town, like go do it. It's free therapy. Seriously. Oh,
1: 100%. Oh my God. I mean, for the longest time I wanted a dog and I like almost made my parents get us one when I was like eight or nine. And then that never ended up happening. And then we moved to a different apartment and the building was like not dog friendly. So that was like already a barrier. But now like post-grad, as much as I would love a dog, it's so much work. So I think you're a few years older than me. So maybe by that time I will be more settled and I can like actually take care of a dog. But for now, I just feel like it would not like too much responsibility. So I try to like Mooch off of my friends' dogs when I let Borrow Barkley anytime, please. A hundred percent. Like, I will be there to walk him, take him to the well, that brings you endorphins. So I can't take that away from you. No, but like, (laughs)
0: I'm happy to share the endorphin rush. You know, like you can have some too.
1: (laughs) Well, endorphins, you know, they're meant to be spread. Exactly. More happiness for all. So I love that. Thank you so much, Alana. It was wonderful having you as a guest. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. Thank you for listening and remember to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things that bring you endorphins every day. See you next time.